Welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as the hype train for Victor Wembanyama. I mean, the kid deserves it after that performance against the Ignite. 37 points, five blocks. Man is a unicorn for sure. I am definitely on this hype train now. I mean, the NBA set this game up for a reason. It was a big deal to see, you know, Wembanyama and Scoot go against each other and what a game it was. The two definite first picks in the next draft that's coming up. Absolutely going head-to-head. Completely different players, but I mean, hey, if you're not tanking, if you're at the bottom of the league and you're not tanking for one of these two guys right now, you're not doing it right. Dude, I mean, like the picture of them standing next to each other at the at the um, edge of the, the key, like, is just ridiculous. He is so much taller than Scoot is. But Scoot had a good game himself, man. Um, I just, I love that the NBA put this on. I love that they, the French team was able to come out in the middle of their season. Yeah, really. Flew across the Atlantic, and Wembenyana didn't look like it affected him at all. Um coming into the game and having to duck underneath to the metal detector to get in like man is just so big and my biggest fear with him was that he was too slight of a frame he actually looks thicker than chet holmgrum so i mean hey man kevin durant's never that thick so maybe it'll work he's definitely a unique player the most unique player of all the tall guys that we've seen in the past few drafts and if it goes the way of okc you know they're gonna get another tall guy hopefully in, the, in their mindset right but they, this could be the one finally after pokashevsky and you know, we get to see chet now you know maybe it's when time for them but definitely a draft that everyone is going to be keeping their eye on come next year there's at least five or six teams who i'm sure have when stapled onto their goals board for this season i wouldn't be surprised hey man you know what? When you're at the bottom of the league, best way to do it is is to accumulate talent. Honestly, um, he'd go to Sac, uh, San Antonio, and I think that would be a really good spot for him. Um, and then they could actually extract some value out of the one asset that they have in Jakob Pertl. I mean, it's a, it's a thought. I mean, looking at my thoughts and predictions that we're going to definitely get into next week before the season starts, the Spurs, you know, not so surprisingly, but maybe surprisingly, they're at the bottom of the West on, on my books. So, you know, we'll get into it more next week, but that would definitely be a dream situation. Maybe Pop wouldn't retire. He'd be like, I can do 10 more years for this kid. Let's do it. The next Tim Duncan, <laughs> Wembenyana. <laughs> uh, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. But let's talk about another tall guy. You know, I think we've, We've moved through this. Let's, let's talk about Evan Mobley and his ankle injury, you know. Kind of nice that it's only going to be a week or two and that it's happening now. You know, we're in the preseason and it's not legit games. But ankle injuries for big men are always a scary deal, regardless of how serious or not they are. Yeah, and, you know, he kind of got hurt for a little bit last year, um, getting hurt at the beginning of this season. Um Hopefully that's not a sign of anything to come. Hopefully these are just, you know, one-off injuries and that he completely heals himself. Because... The league is going to be better if Evan Mobley can reach his, you know, peak powers. Because that man last year, like, we love Scotty. He was close to Scotty. He was right there. <laughs> you know, man? And so, at the end of the day, I'm happy that it's happening at the beginning of the, se- beginning of the season. Because hopefully it means that he will stay injury-free all season and, and get to play healthy throughout the playoffs. Um, and if he misses the first game of the season, like, good for us. Because, you know, we don't have to play him. Perfect. Yeah, especially we're already having to think about Donovan Mitchell alone. Cavs looked pretty good, but we, we can get into that game later, you know. we Evan Mobley specifically, it's it's never fun, but I, I think he's going to be okay. You know, he's proven himself as 
a true threat in this league, a face that you can't forget about, you know, in, in 10 years from now, top 25 player type of situation definitely could be higher than that. So little injury, but shouldn't be too bad, too big of a deal for the Cavs. Yeah, man. And that's, that's all you can hope for. I just, hopefully it's, it's nothing too big. I think that's the only injury, right? It's simple, right? We don't have to think about too much this week. No big deals to rush with. Do you want to talk about maybe Jordan Poole's face injury? <laughs> well, I mean, he just, apparently the news is he got popped by Draymond Green yesterday. I, I'm just trying to imagine what he said, how it would escalate to that point. Like, obviously, you know, you were saying it's probably conversations to deal with the extension situation for both of them. But, man, if he actually clobbered a guy in the face, you know, Draymond, not a good look for you. We know you've got some anger issues in the past. We've seen it in big highlight games, so... Bro, it kind of is who Draymond is, right? Like, I think it's more him kind of establishing the fact that he's still, a, you know, a dominant figure for this team. Yeah. That um, he is the, I guess, one of the three best players on the roster. And, you know, I, I deserve my extension. And who are you? You're a rookie. The only reason that you, you know, play well is because of us kind of mentality. And, like, that is who he is. And that's why he's been so successful in the NBA, right? Like, yeah. having that mentality. So... Like, it, you, when you have players like Javon Green, you get the good and you get the bad. And, like, unfortunately, this was a little bad. Again, preseason, not a huge deal. Maybe they'll suspend him for a couple days of training camp. Eh, it's not, not an issue to me. I mean, exactly, right? But you, you just can't be hitting people like that, Draymond. And, you know, while we can say that, you know, Poole maybe doesn't have the right, he's definitely an important piece for the future of this franchise. You know, GMs specifically are always thinking about not just now, but 10 years from now, because that's how you have to think about it if you want to have a successful sports franchise. And if Golden State wants to keep it going, Poole might be the next quote-unquote face of the franchise. I don't even. I don't know if it's face of the franchise, but I know that his extension is more, um, you know, important to the to the future success of that franchise. Exactly. Um, Raymond Green showed it last year, and especially in the first few games of the finals, that he has to play at an all time high level for him. Like he has to play at his very peak powers to be. Yeah affecting the game in a positive way and if he's not at that level he affects it in a negative way and golden state's not going to do well um the fact that he's going to be i think like 38 when the extension could possibly end and he's already showing those signs of wear and tear to me i think that's what golden state is like so worried about and why they're not even considering offering him the extension early and like they're they're using the 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 thing that you know they they always do it a year out you know mm -hmm. it's two years out for draymond so like we're, we're saying that we'll do it next year i i think that they're just using this year as leverage to show him that you're not going to deserve the major contract because in the playoffs you were coming off the bench Cold State has a lot of decisions to make, absolutely, and Draymond, unfortunately, is on the wrong side of 30, and that kind of contract, like, we're seeing it across the league, you know, all of these guys that are on the other side of 35, potentially making 40, 50, 60 million dollars in those seasons, right, and not everybody's LeBron, not everybody is going to age nicely into those points, and you know, maybe everything will work out with the league raising the salary cap and there being more money for the rest of their teams, but, like, People already complained about the Russell Westbrook salary being untradeable, the John Wall situation. Like, you think about all the things that we've seen in the past few years, and we're a couple more years away from some ridiculous salaries from 
old men, unfortunately, to say. Like, that's just the league standard at this point. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, like, he might kind of deserve the money for what he's done in the past. Um, but smart franchises, man, winning franchises that want to continue the longevity, they move off those players before they decline. Yeah. They extract as much value as they can for them, and then they move off. Because why? Like, I don't even think anybody else in the league would offer him a contract even close to his max. No. You know? And, and you, also have to, team. you also have to think about the fact Go that, like, free agency. if Golden State doesn't win a championship last year and the team is not, you know, bad, bad, but, like, in the middling type of situation after the season they had previously, getting Wiseman, maybe not having the right answer, and you're looking at Draymond and you're like, are we even going to offer you an extension? We have to start the rebuild. We have to move on, and we have Wiggins. So it's like... Without this championship under your belt last year, I don't think Draymond has the same type of leverage I think he thinks he has right now. So Golden State has a lot of decisions to make. It's it's going to get ugly for them, potentially. Yeah, and again, it's a reason why I don't think they're going to repeat. So uh, I think we can move off that subject. Uh, maybe talk about... I mean, you want to talk about Ben Simmons coming back, man? He played his first game in like a year. He, and he looked like decent. Like he looked like not, ben not maybe, yeah, exactly. He looked like the quote unquote Ben Simmons of old, but like. He didn't shoot a three. <laughs> I don't want to laugh about the fact that he missed his first two free throws, but like that's the part of the course that you're expecting. But again, that's a mental battle that he's still going through that he's admitted to, right? But a guy looked pretty good for coming off of back surgery. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the dunk he threw down, um, him, Katie, and, and Kyrie are only going to get more chemistry playing together. It was a preseason game. Yes, Joel Embiid and James Harden didn't play, and they still got lit up. It's it's fine. Like it's it's the preseason. Um, again, we saw Malachi Flynn destroy Lamelo Ball, and today you couldn't even package Malachi Flynn with four first round picks to get Lamelo Ball. Absolutely right, yeah, and that's and that's the story of preseason as well. And you know, when it came to the Brooklyn Nets, I'm sure Joe Harris fans were happy. That man was running up and down the court. You know, he took a couple of shots here and there. So, as we discussed, there. you know, yeah, out there. As we discussed, you know, last week, you know, Brooklyn is a team that on paper can make it happen. And I'm sure seeing Ben Simmons come out and perform the way that he did has to be a sigh of relief for the GMs. Yes, it's the preseason. Yes. But the man actually played basketball for the first time in over like 450 days. So that alone is a pretty big deal. It's a man. It's a huge step. Um, other kind of noteworthy thing about this game is Tyrese Maxey. Guys, legit. Um, dang. I wish we he's, had him on our team. He's two for Legit. two this preseason so far with fantastic performances, seemingly coming out and knocking down shots, proving that he can be the third piece for this team, right? So will it happen? The season will tell us, but man, Tyrese Maxey coming out of the gate swinging. And now like Tobias Harris is your fourth best option. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a good roster, man. Um, they're scary. Philly's definitely a team that is going to have a conversation this year of being the best team, especially if Embiid is going to try to go for that MVP that we know he wants to do. And the pieces are just seemingly sliding in just right. And yeah, Maxi scares me, you know, I could flip really quickly and talk about Boston if you want. You know, I know that's quick into talking about the Raptors games, but seeing Jalen Brown and the way he's come out and absolutely stomped in the games that he's done, you know, another name that I'm looking at, like, man, I might have to take you in fantasy because you're looking like you're about to step up your game. 
Yeah, I no, I agree that like you know these performances in in the preseason are great and they're you know really strong performances that you want to see from your players. Like nobody wants to go and have a bad performance. Nobody wants to to shoot two of nine or or three of fifteen. But I mean, if you're gonna do it, do it in the preseason. Yeah. So like there's like that momentum building which is great and th- these guys have come out with that momentum already uh so we'll we'll see where it kind of ends up man um i don't really want to talk about boston and the raptors games we can talk about the raptors later i kind of want to talk about the first overall pick man because he struggled in his game and i think this is tying into what we talked about like I'm not sounding the alarm on Paolo Banchero. No. I think he won. He started the game with the first bucket of the game. So he came out hot and then kind of struggled, you know, in the middle parts of the game. And, and his first time on an NBA court with NBA players, yeah. he's getting a feel for the game. They have a lot of expectations on him. And the roster around him is not great. Um, RJ Hampton was arguably their best player in that game crazy. which is crazy yeah, yeah. right like when jalen suggs your four, your fifth overall draft pick like doesn't look good mo bamba looked okay um mortz wagner was hitting you know threes like and they still kind of looked bad like it's it's not a great great roster i think <laughs> Like, if they're at the bottom of the draft, mm-hmm. where do you think they go, man? Like, do you think they go Scoot or Wembenyana? That's a tough situation, obviously, with their team. They've got think centers. They, that's right, and, but you can move centers guys. when you have a player like Wembenyana. It's like, you almost have to take him. And as we've seen, you know, Orlando hasn't had a lot of faith in their centers since, should I say Shaquille O'Neal? Like, do, do you know what I mean? Like, they've had centers. But Dwight. like Dwight, sorry, yeah, there we go. I was forgetting about Dwight and his moment there as well. Man, the league has been around for way too many years at this point to think. Oh my gosh, so many players. Back to Shaq, bro. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was thinking about God tier Shaq when he was a young boy and he was running around like you know our man Zion like over here, and I mean Giannis <laughs> as well. But yeah, Orlando, they're they're in a weird place. You know, I I have hope for Benchero. I'm thinking about you know the Cade situation because you know a lot of people were not enjoying Cade at the beginning of last season, even though. I'm pretty sure it was an injury situation that was leading to a lot of his struggles. So hopefully it's just one game for Banchero. Hopefully he can figure it out. And it's really the players around him. It's the guard situation that Orlando has to figure out. And is anybody else going to step up to help this man? Because if not, they probably are going to be looking at Wembenyana and Scoot, you know, this time next year. Absolutely, man. And like the team that they're playing is a great example of like how to build their roster, Memphis. This team, I have no idea how they keep doing it, but they seem to keep finding, you know, diamonds yeah. in the rough. This new kid, Kenny Lofton Jr., man, he didn't play in this one, but he played in the one before, and he looked dominant. He was the kid who gave uh, Chet Holmgren all of that trouble in in uh, Summer League. True. Like, he, okay. he's looked really good throughout Summer League and right now in the preseason. Undrafted. You know, son of a of a former athlete and a, a major league baseball player. Could he be like, you know, an extra piece for them? Like they already have so many. Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, you know, Clark, Brooks. What? There's there's a lot of good coming out of Memphis right now. And Bro. I'm over here trying to figure out if I want to put the Grizzlies as 
the number one seed in the West this time next week. That's where I'm sitting about with this team because I, I look at, you know, Jenkins and what he's done. I look at Jaw and how confident he is as the leader of this team. And when you see Clark coming out and playing well, when you see this new kid seemingly out of nowhere, we know what Bain can do. We know all of these other pieces around. Like, they just gave Steven Adams a two-year, $25 million extension, I believe. And Steven Adams is a perfect, maybe not starting center, maybe not backup center, but he does exactly what Memphis needs in a lot of different situations. Exactly. So Memphis is scary, man. They're such a young team and they are here to stay. And I'm so glad that I jumped on this bandwagon a few years ago because, like, they're not going anywhere. That's for sure. No, man. Uh, they definitely have the best young core in the NBA. Um, they have the the makings of of a title contender for sure. Um, so I'm I just wanted to bring that up because we don't. I mean, we love talking about Memphis, and uh, I'll take any chance I get to, to talk about John Morant. That guy, the steal and then the the throwdown. He, he's too nice, man. He's a special player right now, and too nice. he's one of our favorites to discuss. I know he's a lot of other people's favorites to discuss, but should we talk about the Pelicans? Do you want to talk about Zion yet, or am I getting too ahead of myself? Bro, I mean, like, I would have put it later down, but if you want to talk Zion, you know I'm about to talk Zion. Because, <laughs> you know, that Pelicans-Chicago game is going on. Marissa and I are sitting on the couch. Um, it's about to start, and I'm like, can I please put on basketball? She's like, yes. I'm like, whoa. And Zion did not disappoint, man. I, that chase down block in the first quarter of Patrick Williams, yes, it was called the goaltending. No, that was a block. If you watch the replay, it was a block. And then the little hezzy fake into, oh, he's just so explosive. He moves around like a little fairy. He's so fast. And yet he's a 280-pound man. And he explodes at the rim. Um, it just convinced me, man, like MVP season incoming. Like, I don't. If he is not in the top three of MVP voting, count me as somebody who's going to be shocked. I mean, I can I can sit with you there. He looked good. The team looks good. The Pelicans somehow are, what, two, three years removed from Anthony Davis going bye-bye? I think it's we're three years removed now at this point. Yeah, four. And they're seemingly a playoff team with a potential superstar and great rotational pieces around him. Like hats off to the Pelicans oh. at this point. They've done such a good job. And to think that even, you know, the first year into the Zion build, everyone was worried about what would happen. Everyone was like, oh my God, Zion's leaving. There's no way he's going to stay here. It's AD 2.0 situation. Man looks happy. Man looks locked in. He has teammates that he seemingly enjoys playing with. Man, Pelicans are right here. They are scary looking. He was smiling the whole game, man. The whole time he was out there. Grinning ear to ear, he was just happy on the about bench as well. It, like Brandon Ingram didn't even play, man. <laughs> like they're so like they have a very good roster as well, and they're gonna surprise a lot of people this year. Um, JV look, you know, just like JV. I I love watching JV. It, it makes me miss him so much because we could use a talent like that on our squad. Absolutely. Um, the man is just so fundam fundamentally sound. Like, he knows exactly what he needs to do. Uh, but this Pelicans team, man, they are just going to be scary. Um, but the, the other thing that I got out of it, I mean, for Chicago, this could be a really rough season. If DeMar, like, DeMar, I don't think is going to play at the level that he played at last year. I don't, like, that was the highest caliber uh, DeMar we've ever seen. Like, Absolutely. Even as Raptors, like, I think that was the, his highest peak. If he doesn't maintain it, if they don't get Lonzo Ball back, which it doesn't sound like they're going to get him back for the whole yeah. season, 
what are they going to do, man? Like, people who are picking them to be a playoff team, like, I don't know what you guys are watching, but, like, they're, I think they're going to be a, a, a bottom five team easily. I mean, that would be a stretch for me, but also, like, I see them in the second game of the play-in at this point. Like, that's what, the, that's what really has been shown to me at the Bulls. Like, they still have good talent, but they're also, like, they're one of those teams that almost doesn't really have an identity, right? Like, last season when things started, they had Lonzo, they had their whole squad together, they were figuring out what they wanted to be, and they were playing beautiful basketball. And then injuries happened, and then it led into DeMar having to play hero ball, which... Raptors fan, hi, we've seen it. Doesn't work in the playoffs. It's not going to happen. Not going to work out for you. And now you don't have Lonzo. You can't create your identity at the beginning of the season. And you have to maybe rely on him from the start. Zach Levine, maybe he takes the step. Maybe he becomes the superstar that this team needs. But we've been waiting for that for him. And ever since he left Minnesota, really, at this point. So Bulls are in trouble, you know. Maybe Caruso can continue to do what he does. But again, role player, like... We didn't yeah, like the we didn't like the big trade for Vucevic years ago, and it's starting to look like a poison pill trade. And you're about to mention Patrick Williams; he's their like one young hope. Like, but where he do they didn't go? look great, man. He no. doesn't he doesn't look like he's taken a step at all. It looks like he's still the same player that he's always been, um, which is limited offensively. Great big body for a defender, but mm. he's limited offensively, and they're going to need him on the offensive end. Um, I think you nailed it right on the head, man. Like when they had Lonzo, they had that defensive identity where they knew that they had a very solid defense and they had, you know, your favorite bucket getters, favorite bucket getter, you know, DeMar DeRozan, he's so silky. I mean, like even in the game, like the other night, when he pulls up, the ball hasn't even left his hands, but he's just in that shooting form and you know, it's going in. It's just so perfect. It, it, it should be like the picturesque jump shot ever and you know it's going in so like that's great but when you don't have the defense to to kind of hide him and you can't no like they're man i i think this is going to be a bad season for them and i think it's going to expose them and that championship window that they thought that they opened up with you know damar and vucevic it just got slammed shut man it's sad. kind of sad because it's another example of a team that is potentially going to implode due to injuries because you know we talk about the potential what ifs what could have happened this that and the other thing but the bulls were a playoff team you know if the season ended 25 games in and they got to play they're not going to win the whole thing but they're going to be a, a good team in the first round compared to what they ended up being compared to the end of the season right and so mm-hmm. if you're putting money and you're betting on the bulls right now you know something that we don't you know, you, you've seen something that we don't because there's no way. Like, I, I just can't believe in this team, unfortunately, for them. Yeah, it's, man, it's brutal. Um, two teams that we're not going to believe in at all because, you know, they're different points of their rebuild. Um, you know, Like we said, San Antonio probably going to be a bottom of the league. Wembenyana, Scoot, they got to they gotta accumulate talent, man, because watching their, watching their game against Houston, like, Houston destroyed them. Because they had just they have talent like Trey Eason, Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, they have um, Jalen Green. They have Eric Gordon. Like they have talent. And then you look at San Antonio and, and Keldon Johnson didn't play. Yeah. And Jakob Pertl <laughs> is literally the only guy who's an NBA player on that team. Like a, a, a rotational player for every team in the NBA. Like he's the only guy on that roster that can do it. And so it was just, it was pathetic to watch, man. And 
Jabari Smith Jr., that jumper is as advertised. It is so silky. He's so big, too. Like, at 6'10", the way he pulls up, too, it's, it's... it's pure and five of eight, man, and it looked so repeatable. Like I know, but I mentioned it to you earlier this week. You were like, "Oh, Zion started three of four, two of three, whatever in his debut game." Zion's shot doesn't look like this. Okay, <laughs> it does not look repeatable like Jabari's does. So. If I'm a Rockets fan, I'm really happy about the way Smith looks. I'm really happy with our our you know second pick, yeah. uh, Trey Eason. He looked phenomenal. What I'm worried about and like hoping that it's just the preseason is Jalen Green, man, because for the way that he ended last season, he looked like he started last season this t- today, you know, and he's, that's progression. You don't he, want that. He's in a tough spot because, like, I mean, I still believe in the guy. You know, he he was my rookie of the year pick, you know, this time last year, and I still think he has the potential to be a knockdown shooter in the league, to be a Donovan Mitchell, to be a Bradley Beal, right? But Jabari Smith is, is the answer for them right now. It's where you don't have to feel so bad about the situation that he's in because you look at how nice he is because, man, I went and I watched those shots because I, I had to be confident. You nailed it on the money there. I, I was over here just trying to temper expectations with that Zion comment for you, but silky smooth, my friend, silky. And quick, like yeah. catch and release, like in a second. Uh, the pull-up was nice. Like, he's got it, man. He wasn't great from the two-point land. Like, um, I think he was like two of, of seven or something for two points. But, hey, man, he'll figure that out. The three-point shot is where the game is, and a six-ten power forward who can shoot like that, like that's a you're, you're unlocking some some unfair advantages with that. Rockets are definitely trying to figure it out. Will they be in the playoff race, in the play-in race? That's hard to say when you think about how many good teams there are in the league right now. You know, we 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 went through years of Golden State versus LeBron. We knew that was going to be the future, and then I think. You know, a couple of years ago, we were like, is the league kind of, you know, is there parity now? Are we starting to see a little bit more balance? And I think with the surgence of young talent that has come out and started to both take over teams and be, you know, really strong pieces, like, there's parity, man. Like, I definitely think that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to think this team, that team, you know, the other team is going to potentially win this year. And I'm, I'm pretty happy as a fan to see that. Yeah, man. And honestly, um, that guy, I think his name's Alsprin Sangoon. Alprin. Al Alprin. Alprin? Alprin? Maybe. Sure. Sangoon. He he looked good too, man. Like yeah. they've got now if he's their center, Jabari Smith is their power forward. They've got Green at the two or at the two and maybe Eason. You know, they, they got the backcourt. Yeah. Like that's a it's gonna be a formidable starting lineup in the future, um, if they can all reach their peaks. So Houston actually is doing a great job with the rebuild, which I was quite shocked about in pretty quick turnaround. Uh, I think two years really of being kind of bad and yeah really like they should i i could see them fighting for a play-in spot just because i think the west um the middle is so mushy like you know like the lakers um i think phoenix is going to be in the middle this year um okc san antonio portland like they're just there are too many teams that are are too mushy that i think they'll they'll get some fight that's the situation. There's a lot of middling teams, and I mean, if if you're ready to move along, do we want to talk about the Suns and why we are a little bit disappointed in them and how everything just keeps piling on in the wrong direction for this team? Well, dude, I mean, like, if you want, we could talk about the fact that they lost to the Adelaide 36ers. 
that one's not great. First uh, time a, a, a non-American team has won a preseason game in the United States in seven years. Yikes. Yeah, big deal. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah. And, um, like, they lo- they just beat the Lakers last night, and the Lakers did not look against- good against the Kings. I, j- I don't think Phoenix has it this year, man. I said it before. Chris Paul's the key to their winning. Chris Paul is now out of any kind of prime of affecting winning. Yeah. And uh, it's it's over at this point. Like, Devin Booker posts that LeBron meme, but you ate LeBron, man. He's in a weird situation, too, because, like, I think he's looking around him and seeing the crumbling of the franchise starting to happen. And to think that pre-NBA bubble, he was in that, living it year after year after year of not being good enough. And then, you know, Phoenix has had this spark of hope, and you're thinking, oh, it's going to be good. And DeAndre Aiden looks completely checked out, completely done. He's just praying for a January trade at this point in time. And this team comes out, like, six and 15 i'm not gonna be surprised because i just i see so many issues i see so many heads butting and do they have the talent as a roster to win games absolutely absolutely but as we've seen against a team like the 36ers who are a squad who know each other's talents are going to work together and also somehow have like an amazing shooting night going 24 for 30 or something yeah 24 for 43 like Things are going to happen, and Phoenix, I don't think, is going to do well with the mental game of the season. To go from being so low to being on the top to now being potentially middling again, like that's not going to do well for them, I don't think. And Chris Paul, as the floor leader, as you're mentioning, is getting older, so he has to have the conversational impact, the leader impact. And DeAndre isn't listening, and everyone else, I think, is going to have to think about that poison as well. So it's not good for Phoenix. Dude, it's really not good for Phoenix, and I just feel really bad for them, man. Um, it is what it is, though. Um, we can move off of them, though. I, hey. I much prefer to talk about um, a team that you actually were really high on at the end of the of the season. Um, you thought that they did a really smart oh, yeah. thing in the off season with their signings, trying to build around uh, De'Aaron Fox and and Sabonis, and. It showed with their pick, too, man. Instead of going after Jaden Ivey, who everybody had ahead of Keegan Murray, everybody and their mother, um, they went with the guy who was known to manipulate defenders, um, is a great off-ball mover, and Keegan Murray, man, showed it in that game. Like, he can just spring loose, and then he's a good catch-and-pop kind of guy. I think they got the perfect rookie for this type of system, the type of team that they want to be. Um Having Darren Fox and, and Sabonis, you didn't need to swing for that all-time superstar at four. And I think they, they nailed it. You know, getting an all-star caliber player like that, I think they've got it. I'm a very happy, very happy NBA fan this week watching this team come Called together it. and do exactly what I wanted and hoped they would do. Because it just makes so much sense. Darren Fox is a great player. We've seen his explosiveness. We've seen the talent out of him. And all you needed was... A pick-and-roll, beautiful big man beside him to do what he needs because that's how the NBA plays. Honestly, let's be honest. 60% of the teams in the NBA play a high pick-and-roll with a point guard and a big, and they're just looking for your shooters on the outside. And 60, bro. 80. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to be generous over here, but you're yeah, not wrong at this point in time. Like That is the staple, and we know De'Aaron Fox can fit into that role perfectly. And Keegan Murray looks great. Malik Monk is another shooter. Sacramento has put together a roster that is ready to compete and play NBA basketball in the way that is the most efficient and the best 
right now. And so I'm super excited, man. I'm ecstatic to see this team come together, and I can't wait for the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and again, you know, it's preseason, so we're high on everybody. Absolutely. Everybody can do no wrong. And if they do no wrong, it's it's way too early. It's preseason. You don't get worried about it. Like, LeBron going 0 of 7, I think, in that game. Like, yeah. come on, guys. LeBron, 80, looking really good. I think he had a 11 points, 11 rebounds in, like, 15 minutes or something of game action. Like, that is more important for Lakers fans than seeing LeBron go 0 of 7. Yo, it's I get it. It's year twenty. He may be washed, or it's LeBron, and we just don't care. You know, like, one day LeBron is not going to be in the league anymore, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out as a top fifteen player in the league in his final season. That's just the type of talent that he has. But this Lakers well, squad, it's more important for the other players to come together. Man, I mean, we could talk about the Detroit Knicks game. Um, you know, Brunson looking comfortable, Ivy looking explosive, but I think that. I want to talk about the GM survey because you're right, man. LeBron could leave the game still considered a top 15 player in the league. Whereas Michael Jordan left the game as a shell of himself. Absolutely. You know, he really did. And people still point to the fact that he scored 50 in, in Washington on a horrible team where he took so many shots as like a crowning achievement in his, in his, at his age 40. LeBron's been in this league for 20 years, man. And the expectations are MVP, NBA Finals, NBA Finals MVP, or bust. He is still considered the third best small forward and the second best power forward that this league has to see. He's considered the best basketball IQ mind still in the sport. Like, GMs recognize this. And the average fan and the average media member rips him apart. Because he's not Michael Jordan. Like, guys, appreciate this man. He's 20 years of greatness. Of consistent greatness. Of MVP or bust. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. If you, if you don't think he's the GOAT, like, I can't argue with you anymore. We, bo- we have difference of opinions. And this is also the struggle of greatness in general when it comes to, especially the NBA, which is such a pedestal for greatness in the way that players are held. And to see a guy like LeBron do what he does. Now, there's always going to be a rebuttal, right? Modern medicine, the team built around him. You know, he jumps to a team that's going to blah, blah, blah. doesn't matter. Focus on the good, because 15 years from now, like all of the, you know, MJ stands, all of the Kobe stands, all of the Larry Bird stands, all they're going to think about and all we're going to think about is, man, we miss this guy. We wish they were still playing in the league. So enjoy it as it is. But it's pretty crazy to see a guy at the age that he is still be considered, you know, as high a tier as he is. It's pretty awesome. He's top five player, man, and it's inarguable. Like, okay, you want to give Steph Curry? Sure. If you want to go with Giannis? Sure. If you want to go with Nikola Jokic? Sure. But after that, man, I will argue you on whoever else you want to put in that top five over him. You know? Like, easy money, LeBron James. And the GMs know, man. Like, they're not... I was going to say they're not dumb, but like then I think about what they did with that <laughs> coaching situation. And this is why we wanted to talk about the survey in the first place. Do the NBA GMs know what they're voting for and how it works? Because to not have Nick Nurse as a top five coach was pretty ridiculous with the rest of their answers. He gets forgotten, much like the Raptors always get ignored. But yet, as I know you're freaking out saying, they still voted him in other places. It's wild. <laughs> he was the second most voted 
coach for best defensive scheme, and he was the third most voted coach for offense. Okay. Hmm. So, I mean, he wasn't voted in the top five for motivational factor, which, whatever, we could argue about that, how much motivation a, a single coach brings to an individual player, like how they measure that and who knows how good anybody is at it. Okay, whatever. But when the two most important things are scheme for a coach and offensive defensive scheme, and he's in the top three in both, yeah, he's got to be a top five coach in the NBA. And like I, having uh, Budenholzer ahead of him. I mean, Come everyone on. knows. Everyone knows our feelings towards Budenholzer. But like, I would even say that Nurse has, you know, an, an aggressive effect on all of his players because all of the players on the Raptors know if you're not playing defense, you don't get minutes. Like. Anyone motivation who, anyone who actually pays attention to the team knows and that's but this is also the life of a canadian sports team in an, in an american sports league it's what we always deal with it's why we've accepted the fact that siakam isn't getting respect as much as he is it's why scotty had to fight so hard for rookie of the year considering that it, everyone was saying all year long oh it should go to mobley oh it should go to Cade, regardless but we saw what we saw as Raptors fans. We got to witness it. And the GMs, man, they they just, they do what they do. You know, some of them are going to have great thoughts here and there. They obviously know what they're doing. They're great at their jobs. But also, there are better GMs and there are worse GMs. And they're not always going to be right about everything. Dude, and like, there are good articles and there are bad articles. I saw a top 25, under 25 in the NBA that had Herb Jones at 25, which is like decent you know he's 24 years old you know he's a rookie and this is his second year he's 24 and they left guys like gary trent jr off the list precious achua off the list who precious had the exact same amount of points as him in less minutes had more rebounds than him in less minutes and was just as efficient in a more efficient three-point shooter and it's younger it has been in the league longer like Ah, don't, don't even get me started. Man. Everyone here, respect. what you're witnessing is the point of sports articles is to get people upset, get them talking about stuff, get them rioting up and railed up. Yeah, but that's just how it's going to be, right? We, we've we accepted the fact that, you know, there's always yeah, going to right. be insights here and there that are going to be wrong, that are going to be right. And you have to accept that some people are going to, you know, spurn LeBron. Some people are going to write good things about LeBron. You know, you think about the struggle that Luca goes through with, oh, he's overweight. Oh, he can't do it. I'm sorry, but um, the last time... You talked about seven years ago, a team losing. Uh, six years ago, Real Madrid beat OKC on their home floor. There was a young Luka who led that team to victory. So, I mean, I'm just going to... I'm just going to... I'm just going to disappear over here because that's just the world, man. There's always going to be opinions in the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, like, people... Like, Luka was a top five point guard, top five shooting guard, top five small forward in this league. Like, the fact that he's in three positional categories, that he can do all three, yeah, you... People need to be accurate, but they want to stir up a crowd, like you said, so they're inaccurate to, to make people jump. You know, the famous Colin Coward quote, if you're not going to be good at your job, at least be interesting. Um, and he's taking that all the way to the bank, man. The guy's a millionaire. Like, you know, his podcast network, like... Some of the time, the some of the stuff he says contradicts literally what he had just said earlier, and he's not very accurate on predictions. The man thought the Denver Broncos were going to be the best team in the NBA, in the NFL, and they might be the like bottom ten of the league, like bottom third for sure. Um, so oh, Russell, it, whatever. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, bro, poor my fantasy team. I drafted this man. Uh, you poor guy. It's okay. You'll have an opportunity. Uh... 
to do better in NBA soon, hopefully. But no, I took Trevor Lawrence, so uh, ride the prince that was promised. There it is, there it is. But I think it's time we move we move into Raptors. You know, we talk about all of the you know wrong opinionated things, the people ignoring the Raptors. Well, let's talk about ourselves because we're two guys that are absolutely obsessed with this team, constantly paying attention, constantly aware. I haven't even gotten to watch these preseason games. I've been working, but I've watched the highlights. I've paid attention. I've been in the conversations and. There's a lot going on with this Raptors squad right now, and what will the roster be at the end of the season? Man, the coaches are going to have a tough decision to figure that one out. Honestly, because like last night, that huge comeback was done with only one player who has a guaranteed contract with the Raptors and is guaranteed yeah. to be on the roster, and that's Ken Birch. Um, DJ Wilson was on the floor. Uh, Jeff Downton Jr. was on the floor. Um, who were the other guys that were out there? There was a couple more guys. Um, I mean, they Banton had, a, had his moments, but... Ban- yeah, but they had they had a nice run together, man. And it's nice to see that we could potentially have the bench mob again, you know? Um, the one thing that I was going to bring up with Detroit is that they're way too young right now to be competitive, but they actually have the perfect coach for it. Um, as Raptors fans, we know, uh, he did, like, as much as, you know, Nick Nurse is now our coach, and, and Siakam and, and Fred Van Vliet have hit All-NBA and All-Star under him. It was Dwayne Casey who got yeah. them there. You know, he got DeMar DeRozan to that All-NBA status. He got Kyle Lowry to those to the Grout status. He got, you know, all of our young talent to really buy in and, yep. and develop and get Siakam from a, a fringe NBA player, a G League guy, to what is now considered probably a top 25 player by most people on a consensus. Um, so if, if Detroit has anything besides the talent that's going for them, they've got the right coach, man. And that's what like, I'm really excited about is to see that coming back to the Raptors, to see our young guys coming up. And I think Jeff Downton Jr. has got to make our roster because we need guard help, man. Like I think um, it was Josh Jackson who was out on the floor. He had a better game. And um, who else? DJ Wilson, I really liked. I've, I thought he's played really well in the preseason for us. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I need guard play. I, I, I don't need you guys. Like, I, I've got Precious. <laughs> I've got Cam. I've got Boucher. Like, I'm sorry. You guys, go go find another team. Yeah, it's tough, right? And you, you have to think about Doughton if he's going to make it. You know, Banton is a, is a player that may not make the team, which is a crazy thought for a lot of Toronto people, considering he was the first ever Canadian drafted by this team, and he has his moments of specialty, you know? You think about the fact that we gave Wancho a contract, and, like, Wancho's been himself, you know? Hopefully, you know, he's been good, right? So then you also have to think about the rest of the roster and the other places, right? And when you're thinking about this 15 through 20, it's crazy, because you have to decide who is going to be that final piece, and... I'm not going to say that we have to make the right decision because there will be not an insignificant piece in the roster, but the, their impact will be so minimal. But hopefully you can get the most out of that player. That's the important thing right there. So I love what I'm seeing out of Dowden. I love what I'm seeing out of Josh Jackson, which is scary because like I don't know if I want him on this team because yes, he fits the archetype. Yes, he, he's the right player. And yes, he's been playing really well, but... You know, like, there's other options. You mentioned it. The guard situation, I think, is more important. We can't just be the 6'9 long boys. It hasn't been proven. We can try. We can have our identity, but we need more. Look, man, the reason that we needed that major comeback is because Nick Nurse, again, preseason, he's experimenting. He went with the with the all 6'9 lineup, you know, OG, Scotty, Boucher, Precious, and Young. 
and we got blown out of the court. We could not hit a shot. They went on a 17 to two run. Like it's because you need a shot creator. You need a guard. Like you need something different when, you know, all the guys like need to create their shot the same way. Like it was, it was too stagnant. It was too like congested with where they wanted to go. Nick's going to figure that out though. And I think that having extra guards, having, you know, backups for Gary Trent and Fred yep. Van Vliet, super, super important. Um, we want Fred to be healthy in the playoffs. Like, I understand that we won games without him again in that Philadelphia series. Guys, we're better with him on the court. He's a key piece for us. Especially um, when so he's we, healthy and at his peak, because that's when we really need Fred for what he does. And he's unstoppable at that point. And when he's not healthy and not performing at his best point, that's when we see a lot of these poor games where his shot is just not falling. You know, he's rushing into the paint. He's getting knocked around as a small guy that he is. So it's really peak Fred that we need. And, and that's why we want more around him so we can see more of that down the line. Definitely. And it's it's why, you know, they ran that lineup because Nick's trying to see if Scotty can actually run the point because like you mentioned, pick and roll is massive in the NBA. If we can run a pick and roll with Scotty and Siakam and have Fred as our off ball mover, he's the, I think he is the most deadly NBA three point spot up shooter catch and shoot player. I think it's Fred Van Vliet. And so man, like we've got it. Like we've got an extra attack Avenue, like in, It'll alleviate him from wear and tear and having to control the ball. Like we have this roster where it could explode. We could all of a sudden have a top five team on our hands in the NBA. This year, we could also maybe take a small step back. Mm-hmm. It's it's in the cards. Um, hopefully, we're better. But it, it really rests on Scotty, man. Scotty is definitely the core cog for this team. And, you know, the, the other thing is that we haven't really brought up yet, you know, seeing OG the way that he's played, he's aggressive, he's looking bigger, he's slow, he's pushing his way into the paint. And that makes me happy because I always want to see success for OG. And we know that he doesn't shoot to miss. But there's other parts of his offensive game that we need to see him develop at this point to continue to be the force that he is. And also, we love the relationship that him and Scotty have developed. This bromance is the hope that anyone who actually was worried that OG didn't feel like he belonged on this team, this is the bromance that makes you feel better. That's for sure. Absolutely, man. Because, like, hearing the rumor at the beginning of the offseason, it made me immediately think of the fact that OG could never have a good game with Scotty Barnes on the floor. (laughs) He had, you know, when Scotty got hurt at the beginning of the year and missed two games, he had his best two games. And then never was necessarily at that. Yes, there were some injuries and stuff, but he never played well with Scotty on the court. But to have them both be such close friends and hopefully push each other, um, it's just amazing, man. And um, I was reading uh, an Eric Kareen article. Shout out to that guy because he's an awesome writer for The Athletic. Um, He was talking about how if you watched him and uh, Barnes, OG and Barnes, warming up together, they were both taking three-point shots. And it looked so similar that he has a strong feeling that Barnes is going to be a really good catch and shoot player this year. So if you know his his mouth to God's ears and, and yep. hopefully into Scotty's hands, because man, if if that happens, if Scotty is just a slightly tick above league average, like that in and of itself is going to get us an extra win or two. 
Yep. And we don't want to see the Scotty slump, right? We want to continue to see the success. And Nurse looks like he's going to give him the opportunities, you know, pass or fail, regardless of the situation. I think that everyone has kind of accepted the importance of Scotty in this team, but it's going to come down to OG being the player that he is. If Gary can accept whatever role he's given while also dealing with the contract situation. I'd love to see Fred off-ball more, as you mentioned, you know. I'm harkening back to 2019, you know, when he got to play off-ball to Lowry in his peak shooting form. I mean... That man put Milwaukee away. Let's not forget about that, right? And There's so many exciting places to go. We haven't even talked about Precious, really, and the step that he can take, right? Like, the Raptors have so many players that... You mentioned the bench mob. Is it the trench mob? Like, what's happening here? There's so many options for this bench unit, these other players, to make an impact. And if we can transition out of that, our main five starters and, you know, our two, three, four guys that are rotating in, if we could actually play minutes of a completely different starting five, of a bench mob coming out again, we talk about the importance of health for this roster. That might be great, but they have to prove it, and Nurse has to make it happen. So there's a lot that's going to go on in this season ahead of us. Yeah, man, I, I'm excited about it. It's a, it's going to be a tight one, and, you know, not next week when we come back, we'll give our preseason predictions or our season predictions because when we're back two weeks from now man we are gonna have nba real games to talk about um and i, I couldn't be more excited for it no nah, i'm super pumped man we're getting to that time of the season where everybody's been waiting for you know we've got a couple of games left a couple of preseason games for nurse to experiment around and then it's lock-in time for the cavaliers two weeks from now absolutely man and uh what a time to be alive, man. Hey, got really, hockey, man. we got football, we got we got basketball. And obviously, if you've been watching the podcast, you've noticed that we kind of switched more to basketball and we're going to be staying with basketball. Um, maybe we'll start some like little side podcasts for the other stuff. But really, I, I kind of want to just focus on basketball this year because, hey, man, our Raptors, they are one fun, exciting team to watch. Exactly. And there's so much to talk about to try to cram into this little bit of time. But I think we'll save... All hot takes, all predictions, we'll put it on the burner, we'll wait till next week, where we're just going to be throwing out left and right, if that's what you want to do. Oh, yeah, I mean, I was going to give a little NFL one, um, you know, the Bengals and the Ravens, they play each other this weekend, uh, Sunday night football game, all of you guys are kind of wondering who you should probably bet on. Um, I, although that the Ravens have looked really good and the Bengals have kind of been middling, um, I'm going to go with the Bengals. I think that the Bengals... Their offensive line is starting to figure it out. I think that the uh, Baltimore Ravens' defense is very, very suspect. Um, and I think that it's going to be a shootout, a very high-scoring game. Uh, but I'll take the, the Bengals, like, 31-27. I mean, the Bengals, they got me in the playoffs last year. I was a fan. What can I say? So Bro. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right, man. I think you're good to wrap us up, though. Perfect. Well, thanks everybody for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, thumbs up, whatever you need, and check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.